Jesus in the Desert, Marriage Feast, First Posh, Part 8. Jesus in Adumen and Nebo. Jesus, with most of his disciples, passed through Bethagla to Adumen, a place hidden away in a frightfully wild, mountainous region, broken by innumerable ravines. The road running along by the rocks was in some places so narrow that even an ass could scarcely tread it. It was about three hours from Jericho, in a district so retired on the boundary between Benjamin and Judah that I never before noticed it. It was wonderfully steep. It was a refugial city for murderers and other malefactors, who found here protection from capital punishment. They were either kept in custody till they reformed or employed in the quarries and in the most painful field labors. The place received on this account the appellation the path of the red, the bloody. The city of refuge was in existence even before David's time. During the first persecution of the community after Jesus' death, it came to an end. Later on, a convent was built there to serve as a stronghold or fortress for the first religious guardians of the Holy Sepulchre. Note, Sister Emmerich refers to those early religious congregations founded by the first bishops of Jerusalem for the protection of the Holy Sepulchre. The people subsisted by the culture of the vine and other fruits. It was a frightful wilderness, consisting chiefly of naked rocks, which sometimes toppled from their base, carrying down with them the clinging vines. The road proper from Jericho to Jerusalem did not run through Adumen, but westward of it, on which side there was no access to the city, but that from Bethagla to Adumen was intersected by another running from the Shepherd Valley to Jericho, and about one half hour's distance from Adumen. Near this crossroad was a very narrow and dangerous pass, designated by a stone as the spot where long before had really happened the fact upon which Jesus based the parable of the Good Samaritan and the man that had fallen among robbers. As Jesus was approaching Adumen, he turned a little out of the way with his disciples to give an instruction on that memorable spot. Seated on the stone chair and surrounded by the disciples and the people of the immediate neighborhood, he taught, taking for his text the incident just quoted. He celebrated the Sabbath in Adumen and taught in the synagogue, relating a parable that referred to the advantages offered to malefactors by their fugial city, all which he applied to the grace of doing penance on this earth. He also cured several persons, most of them dropsical. The Sabbath over, Jesus and the disciples returned to the place of baptism. Next evening, Jesus went with his disciples to the city of Nebo, situated on the opposite side of the Jordan, at the foot of Mount Nebo, whose height is such that several hours are necessary to reach the summit. Messengers had previously been sent to implore him to enter the city and teach. The population was a mixed one, Egyptians, Moabites, and Israelites, that had in former times defiled themselves with idolatry. They had been aroused by John's preaching, but had not had the courage to go over to Jesus' place of baptism. I think they dared not, on account of some crime of their forefathers, of what kind I no longer remember. They were held by the Jews in great contempt. They dared not go about freely, but to certain places only. 
Then Al came to Jesus, humbly begging him to baptize among them. The disciples had brought from the baptismal pool water and leathern bottles, which they had left under the care of some guards. Nabal was about one half hour from the Jordan, from which it was separated by a mountain, and between five and six hours from Macarius. The country around was not fertile. To reach Nabal, one must, after crossing the river, climb the mountain, and then descend on the other side. Just opposite the place of baptism stands the mountain, affording no place for a landing, and behind was the city Nabal. It was tolerably large, the foundation hilly, and separated by a valley from the mount of the same name. There was still here a heathen temple, but it was closed and something built around it. Jesus, from a teacher's chair and out in the open air, prepared the people for baptism, which the disciples administered. The baptismal basin was placed over a cistern into which the neophyte stepped, and which was filled with water to a certain height. The disciples had brought with them the baptismal robes, rolled up and wrapped around the person, which were put on the neophytes during the ceremony. They floated around them on the water. After the baptism, a kind of little mantle was placed on their shoulders. At John's baptism, it was something like a stole and as wide as a hand towel, but at the baptism of Jesus, it was more like a real little mantle on which was fastened a stole like a lappet trimmed with fringe. Among the newly baptized were mostly tender youths and very old men, for many of the middle-aged were postponed until they should become less unworthy. Jesus healed many sick of fevers and many dropsical who had been carried to their unlitters. The possessed among the heathens were not so numerous as among the Jews. Jesus blessed also the drinking water, which was not good here. It was muddy and brackish. It was collected among the rocks, once was brought in bottles and poured into a reservoir. Jesus blessed it crosswise and rested his hand upon several different points of the surface. On their return journey to the inn outside Onom, Jesus and the disciples spent the greater part of the day on the road, only one hour long from Nabo to the Jordan Ferry. Jesus taught the whole way. The road was bordered by huts and tents in which the people from Nabal sold to travelers fruit and distilled wine. It was these vendors that Jesus instructed. Before evening, he returned with the disciples to his inn at the place of baptism. Jesus went afterward through the surrounding district, instructing the peasants singly and in crowds. Among them were many good souls, who during the time that John was baptizing, here supplied the crowds with food. Jesus appeared to be seeking out everyone, even those in the most remote corners, for he was soon to leave these parts and go on to Galilee. He stopped for a while at the house of a rich peasant whose fields covered a whole mountain. On one side the harvest was ripe, on the other they were just about to sow. Jesus taught in a parable of sowing and harvesting. There was here an old, dilapidated teacher's chair for formerly used by the prophets. The presents had restored it very handsomely, and from it Jesus delivered his instructions. Several such places for teaching had been restored since John had here baptized. He had ordered it, for that too was a part of these teaching chairs had here. As with us, the pictures of the stations, quite gone to ruin since the times of the prophets. Elias and Eliseus had frequented this part of the country. 
Jesus celebrated in Odom the morning of the Sabbath, which was followed by a feast that must have had some connection with fruit. I saw whole basketfuls carried during those days into the synagogue and town halls. The arrangements at the place of baptism had already been taken apart and stowed away by the disciples. Near the spot upon which the stone of the Ark of the Covenant lay, they were now scattered around about twenty dwellings. Pythabora was not close to the shore, but about one half hour from the ferry. One could see it, however. From the ferry to John's present place of baptism, beyond Betharaba, was a good hour and a half's distance. I saw Jesus going from house to house at Ono. At first I knew not for what reason, but later I heard that it was on account of the tithes, to the paying of which he was urging the people. He reminded them also of the alms which it was customary to give on the feast of fruit trees now beginning. That evening he celebrated the Sabbath in the synagogue where he taught. After that began the preparations for the New Year's fruit festival. It was a threefold feast. First, it commemorated the rising of the sap in the trees. Secondly, because today tithes of all the fruits were offered. And lastly, it was a feast of thanksgiving for the fertility of the soil. Jesus gave an instruction upon all these points. They ate much fruit and gave to the poor whole figures of fruit that were built up on the tables. About twenty new disciples had, up to the present, come to Jesus. Part 9. Jesus Cures and Phasel, the daughter of Jairus the Sinian, Magdalene's First Call to Conversion At the close of the feast, Jesus left Ona with twenty-one disciples and journeyed to Galilee. His way led through the region in which Jacob had owned a field, and among those shepherd houses, from one of which Joseph and Mary had been so harshly turned away on their journey to Bethlehem. He visited the occupants of the inn that had extended hospitality to the holy travelers and instructed them with those of the inhospitable one. He stayed overnight and admonished them to be converted. The woman of the house was still alive, though on a sickbed. Jesus cured her. Then he passed through Aruma, where he had before been. Jairus, a descendant of the Asinian's chariot, dwelt in the neighboring and somewhat despised place. Faisal. He had some time previously begged Jesus to cure his sick daughter, and Jesus had promised to do so, though not just then. Although his daughter was dead, Jairus now dispatched a messenger to meet him and remind him of his promise. Jesus sent his disciples on ahead, after appointing a certain place where they should again meet him, and he himself accompanied Jairus' messenger back to Faisal. When he entered the house of Jairus, the daughter lay wrapped in the winding sheet ready for burial, her weeping friends around her. Jesus ordered the neighbors to be called in, and the winding sheet and linens to be loosened. Then taking the dead girl by the hand, he commanded her to arise. She did so, and stood before him. She was about sixteen years old and not good. She had no love for her father, although he prized her above all things. He was charitable and pious, and shrank not from communication with the poor and despised. That was a source of vexation to his daughter. Jesus roused her from death, both of soul and body. She reformed, and some time after joined the holy women. Jesus warned those present not to speak of the miracle they had witnessed. It was through the same desire of secrecy that he had not allowed the disciples to accompany him. This was not the Jairus of Capernaum, whose daughter also was, at a later period, 
raised from the dead by Jesus. On leaving Faisal, Jesus turned his steps to the Jordan, which he crossed, and continued his journey northward through Pariah as far as Sokoth, where he recrossed to the west side of the river and went on to Jezreel. Jesus taught in Jezreel and performed many miracles before a great concourse of people. All the disciples from Galilee were here assembled to meet him, Nathanael chastened, Nathanael the bridegroom, Peter, James, John, the sons of Mary Cleophas, all were there. Lazarus, Martha, Seraphia, Veronica, and Joanna Chusa, who had come before from Jerusalem, had visited Magdalene at her castle of Magdalene to persuade her to go with them to Jezreel in order to see, if not to hear, the wise, the admirable, the most eloquent, and most beautiful Jesus, of whom the whole country was full. Magdalene had yielded to the persuasions of the women, and, surrounded by much vain display, accompanied them thither. As she stood at the window of an inn gazing down into the street, Jesus and his disciples came walking by. He looked at her gravely as he passed with a glance that pierced her soul. An unusual feeling of confusion came over her. Violently agitated, she rushed from the inn, and impelled by an overpowering sense of her own misery, hid in a house wherein lepers and women afflicted with bloody flux found a refuge. It was a kind of hospital under the superintendence of a Pharisee. The people of the inn from which Magdalene had fled, knowing the life she was leading, cried out, That's the right place for her, among lepers and people tormented with bloody flux. But Magdalene had fled to the house of the lepers through that feeling of intense humiliation roused in her soul by the glance of Jesus. For she had made her way into that respectable position among the other women through a motive of pride, not wishing to stand in the crowd of poor common people. Accompanied by Lazarus, she returned to Magdalene with Martha and the other women. The next Sabbath was there celebrated by them, for Magdalene could boast a synagogue. Part 10. 